0: Hi guys, welcome back to the To All The People podcast. Uh, Today's episode runs and reigns really, really deep for me. I was thinking a lot about this one and yes, it is nighttime right now. This was very heavy on my heart and I just wanted to go in and dive deep on this conversation because this is something that I think about more often than not. How do we mourn people that are still alive? How do we mourn relationships that are still alive. And I think about how we oftentimes mourn people that are no longer on earth, how we mourn people that are no longer living, but I also want to talk about how we mourn relationships that we know cannot be. There is this weird thing that we kind of go through when we realize and kind of accept that the relationship that we are expecting from other people won't work out or it will never happen. And for me, at least I find myself getting caught up in the what if, okay, well, what if they were different? Or what if they would have done it this way? Or what if they could have been this way? And I had to learn that me constantly having a what if and me constantly wanting them to change was my need for control and my need to, to kind of, in this very particular way, gather control over the situation. And I felt like I was prioritizing the plans that I wanted over the plans that God wanted me to have. And we cannot try to heal and try to make relationships work that aren't going to work. And it really, really is hurtful. And it sucks often more times than not when it is within our own family dynamics and our own family groups, because it is oftentimes harder for us to accept the fact that the people that we love the most and the people that we grew up with will never be the people that we want them to be for us. And when we go through this process of mourning, oh my gosh, it's it's. I feel like it's almost harder to mourn people that are alive than the ones that have passed on, because when someone passes on and they leave us, it's like we are processing the fact that they are no longer on earth, that we can no longer call them, that they are not just a phone call away, that We are mourning the fact that we will never see their smile again. We are mourning the fact that we will never see them again. Now we take all of those feelings and we kind of focus more so on mourning the people that are on earth but that are choosing to not love us in the way that we want to be loved or love us in the way that we want to be prioritized and Growing up throughout this age, it's been very difficult for me to accept the reality of what I'm feeling and the reality of what I'm going through. And I think it's very hard for me to openly admit sometimes that sometimes I don't know how I should feel because... I feel like our emotions have been incredibly watered down. I sometimes, and you probably feel this way, you sometimes probably feel like your, your feelings are very isolated. You sometimes probably feel like no one will ever understand what I'm going through or how I'm feeling. There's so many nuances. There's so many things that are constantly happening, but I feel so alone because I get to watch my friends have the relationships with their parents that they got to have. I get to watch my cousins have amazing parents. I get to watch people around me have amazing social dynamics and and friendships and stuff, but I don't have that. And to move throughout life alone, it is so debilitating. And there's this lonely ache that comes with the morning. And I remember when I I would say probably one of my first mornings that I feel like I ever had was actually the morning for my father. And I think what I was mourning was more so the fact that this person had decided very early on before I even had the opportunity to prove to them why I'm I'm worthy of love. And it should never even be a proof of being worthy of love. But I think about the first time I met my father when I was like 12, 13 years old, I wanted him to like me so bad. And I talk about this a lot in season one. I want him to like me so bad. I was like basically trying to sell myself And if it ever comes down to the point of you having to sell yourself to be liked by someone that is ridiculous Like let that go because it's never worth your morality. It's never worth your depth It's never worth who you are to try to force someone to like you even if it comes down to your own parents and I just kept feeling like I I Could not be who I wanted to be. I had to be who they wanted me to be for them to like me. And I started realizing I'm not just mourning this relationship with them, but I am also mourning my sense of self-worth because I don't even know what that looks like when I'm trying to be someone else for other people. And I don't think, you know, we talk about breaking free from all of these generational cycles and all these trauma, but we don't ever talk about the morning process that comes with it. Those days where we cannot get out of bed. Those days where we feel so alone. Those days when we are scared. Those days when the anxiety is so debilitating, like we can't look anywhere else. Those days where we wake up and we can't even begin. Those days where it feels more comfortable just sitting on our phone and scrolling. Those days where We feel immense amount of envy towards the people around us because we know that we are lone wolves on this lonely island. And whenever we're mourning something and whenever we're lacking in something, I feel like we have to reframe that and look at it a little differently. I was talking to my trauma therapist, Miss C, who has come on the podcast before, and she talks about healing the mind, body, and spirit from trauma. And I never really break down on her table, but the last time I went and saw her, I broke down crying. And she was just like she didn't ask me what was wrong but you know she helps me talk through things and I just said to her I was like Miss C like I just feel so lonely like I feel so lonely all the time and I don't know what it is but like things will be going so good and I know I have all these people around me and I know I have all these things but sometimes I feel like a hypocrite because you know I'm telling all these people that they should do this and they should feel this way and to look ahead and look forward and I feel like a hypocrite and the way that she broke it down to me she said that when you are a pioneering woman being a pioneering woman means that you will be alone most of the time, because you are pioneering, you are cultivating a way, and and you are leading, and you are you are revolutionary, and in this process of being revolutionary, and in this process of breaking free from generational cycles of abuse, and in this process of getting to know yourself, you will feel so damn alone because no one will have the capacity or the emotional tenacity to understand what you're experiencing, because what you're experiencing is only unique to you. And we have to remove that comparison narrative of like, damn, like I wish I had it that easy. And it's just like, if it was that easy in another lifetime, and if it was that easy, wouldn't we just find something else to complain about or find something else wrong to deal with? That's what I think about. I think about the fact that in this process of breaking free, you will feel alone. And mourning is just such a weird thing when you're mourning someone that is alive. It, is, it doesn't make sense to me. And I've found myself all the time asking, no, honestly, I find myself saying to God, God, listen, I'm tired of being your strongest soldier, okay? This, this is too much. I didn't ask for all this. I didn't ask to be the strongest soldier. I'm, I'm tired of dealing, this, dealing with this by myself. I'm tired of having a revolt. I'm tired of having a lead. I'm tired. Like, Why is there always something going on? Why do I always have to be forgiving? Why do I always have to start over? Why do I always have to let go? Why can't I just just have someone love me for me, you know, and I, I have to start replacing those why's with because and the reason why it's so important to replace those why's with because is because sometimes you need an outlier to tell you that you are going through these things because of this and I'm gonna be real with you. Sometimes I'm not in the mood to wake up and be the bigger person. Like, I'm not in the mood to wake up and try to overthink or overcome my current state. Like, I wake up sometimes and I'm just like, I'm not in the mood to be the bigger person with these thoughts. Like, damn, I'm not in the mood to wake. I, I, I woke up in a really bad mood. I'm not in the mood to wake up and be like, come on, Janelle, persevere. Come on, Janelle, it's okay. Come on, Janelle, everything's happening for a reason. Like, sometimes I don't want to wake up and do that. And I think that's totally fine. I think it's totally fine because we have to be open to allowing ourselves to feel whatever we are feeling. We cannot escape the morality of our life. We cannot escape what we're going through. And I'm no therapist, trust me, I'm not. But one thing I can say for sure is that I find myself having this giant lump in my throat whenever I do not let go of what it is that I am holding on to. There is no such thing as escaping right? We can constantly keep trying to escape. We can constantly keep trying to run away from it. But I would say my solution for mourning someone who is still living is (laughs) I'm going to always result in writing. I talk a lot about how I write a letter to myself at the end of every single year. One thing that has really helped me learn to let go is by paying attention to how I'm feeling in that current state. If my words become too much, if my thoughts become too much, it is very important for me to write it down. And if I can't even write, I literally will sit in a quiet room and I will do some deep, deep breathing and some deep thinking. Sometimes you just need to go somewhere very quiet. And sometimes you just need to be alone to just really reel in how you're feeling. And whenever I'm feeling the heaviest, I feel like I have to go spend some time to myself. And whenever I find that time to spend to myself, whenever I go sit in a quiet room or whenever I go sit in a quiet corner, what tends to happen is a lot of these emotions They sit in the middle of my chest. And I know some of you know what that feels like. It just sits there. It's like this ball of anxiety and we can't navigate it. And we don't know how to let it out. And instead of holding in all of those words that I wanted to say, I begin to speak out loud. And I start to say, I am so mad. I am so angry. I am pissed off. I am hurting. This is not fair. Like, I, I don't want to have to keep persevering. Why, is, why do my friends get to have the parents that help them figure out college? Why do my friends get to have the people that help them navigate this? This isn't fair for me. This isn't fair. And the moment that I start talking about all the things that I hate and all the things that I'm unhappy with and all the things that suck, that's when I start to feel my breakthrough, and sometimes you have to be so vulgar with your words and you have to be so nasty and you have to be so real and you have to be so honest with yourself. When you go into a space where you can just talk freely with God and open to whatever you may believe in, whether that's the universe, whether that's energy, whether that's God, when you go into a space and you, t- you release that energy and you say everything that you have to feel, then that's when the healing can start. If you open up your mouth right now and say all of the things that you are worried about and all the things that you are going through, I promise you, you're going to have an emotional breakthrough. What tends to happen to me when I start speaking out loud like this is I begin to cry. And when I begin to cry, I try to stop myself. I'm like, get it together, bitch. Like, stop crying. And I can't. And I just keep crying. And that ball that's in my chest, it gets heavier, it gets heavier, it gets heavier, it gets heavier, and then slowly it lifts. And then it continues to lift. And I feel myself opening up. And then I feel myself crying. And I just need that moment to cry. And you need that moment to mourn. And you have to mourn people who are alive like they're dead. Because sometimes you need that Space to to break free and feel free and 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 to say outlandish things without the judgment of anyone else because one thing that's not going to judge you is God or the universe or whatever it is that you may believe in but if we're talking about God God can't judge because God already knows what's going on with you and you have to announce it and you have to call it out and you have to say how you feel when after I go in my quiet place, and after I speak and say what I need to feel, then I allow myself to process. And what processing to me looks like is crying, crying a lot. And then once I cry, as corny as it sounds, I do like to take a long shower or a nice long bath Because what I've done right now is I have exhausted myself by letting go and letting loose of all of the trauma that I was embodying holding in my body. And I've said this multiple times, trauma will change your DNA. It will make your skin bad. It will change your body shape. It will change how your shoulders are leaned over. It will change the way that you think. It will change a lot of things. It will change your gut. And we don't pay attention enough to how anxiety really will mess up our gut. And if you're having trouble going to the bathroom and you're having trouble with regularity, if you're having trouble keeping food down, it might be stemmed from trauma and anxiety in your gut. And what tends to happen is, after I've released all of this mourning and this crying, I know for a fact that it's gonna happen again. But because I've released all of these things, it is important for me and for you to allow yourself the space to rest. And that's when the taking a bath comes in. And that's when the sleep comes in. And that's when the water comes in. And I think it's so important to allow yourself that space to completely let go. And letting go takes time. It really does. You know, you might wake up after releasing like that, feeling even more tired, and you should allow yourself to rest. And I feel like I personally feel a lot of energy fatigue from holding it all in. like. I can't even express how tired my actual thoughts make me feel. Like I can keep blaming social media. I can keep being like, oh, I just scroll too much on the internet. Oh, I spend too much on the internet. Oh, I spend too much time doing this. I can keep saying that shit. I can keep having these damn narratives, but really and truly it is my thoughts that are tiring me out. It's those thoughts of I'm not good enough. It's those thoughts of self doubt and whenever I'm mourning someone, I'm also mourning the what they couldn't be for me. And if you are mourning someone that was a huge staple in your life while they're still alive, you are mourning also the, the fact that you won't have anyone there to lift you up. You won't have anyone there to probably walk you down the aisle. You won't have anyone there to tell you, that, you love, that they love you. And that's when those replacement family members come in. That's when those replacement people come in. That's why a lot of times people that come from broken homes, once we figure it out, And once we heal from all the trauma, we end up building these amazing and beautiful communities around us We end up building these relationships built on true love and not on trauma bond And that's why healing is so important because sometimes we'll seek out trauma bonds instead of true love And i've said this before you have to understand the difference between trauma bond and true love And I think some of us get it mixed up true love is you never run out of breath True love is they're there for you through thick and thin. True love is anything that you say will not be held against you. Trauma bond is it's this very aggressive kind of thing. There's always highs and there's always constant lows. True love is you feel very mobile. You feel also very stable and you feel also very safe. And so what we learn from these mourning and these people that we have around us is we learn how to build a community around us that shapes us, that aligns us, and that makes us feel safe and mourning people that are alive can look like so many different things and what some of the books that i highly recommend that i've said so many times on this podcast and please write them down is 13 things mentally strong people don't do by amy morin that book completely changed my life another one that i highly recommend is will i ever be good enough healing the daughters of narcissistic mothers by carol mcbride Another book that I also recommend is The Body Keeps the Score. These are books that have completely shifted and shaped the way that I feel. And if you are currently mourning a relationship with someone that is alive, I just want you to keep in mind that it's okay. There is a community of us around us that feels the same way that you do. And I know it's hard because some of our first heartbreaks come from the people that were supposed to protect us and that can kind of mess up a lot of trust and a lot of foundational things that we need to move forward it ruins a lot of foundation foundational relationships that we need to move forward it can it can ruin the way that we look at romantic partners it can ruin the way that we look at female friendships male friendships dynamics and it's a very scary thing to know that the person that was supposed to protect you And love you and take care of you are the people that hurt you and I always say it it's this sounds so crazy because I've been reading this book called women who runs with wolves and that's also a book that I recommend and one thing that she always talks about is like she doesn't necessarily say it directly but she also talks about a lot it is a beautiful thing to get your heart broken very early on than it is to get it broken later in life. Because when you get your heart broken very early on, that makes you an even more intuitive being. And it allows you to identify and realize things that are for you and things that aren't for you, opposed to getting your heart broken later on in life. And I just want you to know and keep in mind that you are pioneering. You're a pioneer person, in the famous words of Miss Carolyn. You're a pioneering woman. You're a pioneering man. So, in the process of pioneering and persevering, you might experience a lot of heartbreak. That is my final, final combo for this video. I just wanna say that thank you guys so much for listening in. This was a short one. It was just really heavy on my heart because I kept thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And I was like, this is a conversation that needs to be had because I talk all the time about breaking free, but we gotta talk about the mourning process and what that looks like. I'm so excited for you guys to hear our next guest that's coming on the podcast. I love you all so much. Please be sure to like, share, and leave a comment. Thank you guys so much for listening to the To All The People podcast. You guys are wonderful. You guys are amazing. I love you so much. Thank you and have an amazing, amazing rest of your day. Peace.